Hey guys, you're listening to the iPath Convo podcast on what is a very special day, because today is International Choreographers Day. We are joined by Rick Chia. Rick is the CEO of Choreography Online, which is an online platform that sells performance rights for dance choreography on behalf of choreographers worldwide. He was principal dancer with La 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 Human Steps and performed with other companies such as Ballet Austin and Boston Ballet, to name but a few. More recently, Rick worked as a talent scout for Cirque du Soleil. Thanks for joining us, Rick. How's your day going? Thanks. Not bad. Thanks for having me. Yeah? How are you coping with lockdown? Oh, well, I'm kind of sick of it, but um, <laughs> all good. All good. <laughs> good, good. So, um, so today we're going to talk about choreography, mainly because you've just written the iPath choreography syllabus, which we'll get onto later. But um, before I, I'm going to ask you what your definition definition is of choreography. But before I ask you, I thought I'd state what the actual definition is according to the Oxford English Dictionary. You ready for this? Yes. So their definition is the sequence of steps and movements in dance or figure skating, especially in a ballet or a stage dance. That's it. <laughs> That's their definition. So, um, so what what's well, well, I can't say it. What does choreography mean to you? Well, that's, that's, that's kind of it in a nutshell, but it's a little more complex now because that definition was created, um, I think, before um, all the different kinds of dances that we have today uh, and different ways we use choreography today uh, even existed because there's acrobatic choreography um, and you know, that includes circus, circus acts and all that. But I think that the, the, the basic... Um, underlying meaning is still pretty much the same. It's, it's creating a sequence of movements, of happenings that become a finished piece. Now, there's no um, act, you know, minimum length of time that's really attributed to that definition, um, but that's basically what it is. Now, when you get into um, actual copyright definitions, it gets a little tricky because the old definition in Canada and, and it, it differs from country to country. The old definition um, required it to be, uh, to have a storyline and required it to be a dramatic, it, it's, it's in most like the UK, Canada, Australia, and uh, the United States, they still are calling it a dramatic work. Although yeah. in Canada, since the, the early eighties, there no longer has to be a storyline. So, um, so that is the, the basic definition although you know, it doesn't necessarily have to be ballet, but is basically a sequence, a set sequence of steps or movements that as a whole become an actual work, regardless of how, how long it is. Cool. So what, what insp who inspires you in terms of choreographers? That's kind of a wide open question um, <laughs> because well, I think it's inspiration is because we get inspired in different ways and we get inspired from different people for different reasons. Um, and I think there, there, there are people who inspire me um, because of historically what they've done and what, what, because everything's contextual. So yeah. I could say someone like Williams, William Forsyth mm -hmm. um, definitely inspired me. But if you look at his old work, Today, you might say, oh, well, that's not such a big deal. Yeah. But it was then when he created it. When he created it, um, there's a lot of stuff uh, in his old works 
where you would look at and say, oh, but everyone does that. But then you realize, well, everyone does it because of him. Yeah. He was the one who brought that, that style. You know, there are people like, um, you know, Paris Gebel in, in, uh, in the hip hop world that inspire me to a certain extent. Um, but then there's also, there, like everyone has their flaws, right? And then there are certain, certain things about her that, um, that I would do differently. Yeah. So I think there are different levels of inspiration, different reasons for inspiration, but, but. And I suppose as a choreographer, it's not just choreographers that inspire choreographers, it's musicians and it can be anything, can't it really? Inspiration can come from anywhere and inspiration can come from anything. It can come from anyone. Um, yeah. and, and you don't have to, it's, it's actually an interesting question when you think about it. And it's actually a common question when people will say, well, whose work inspires you, you know, who, what choreographers, but inspiration can come from someone who's not even a professional, who's not um, in the dance world at all. I mean, yeah. there are people who inspire me um, with respect to choreographic work who are not even choreographers. It's just something about them that inspires an idea, inspires a feeling, inspires something, you know, it all starts with, with something simple and then often blossoms and, <laughs> snowballs into something completely out of control and way too expensive but it always starts often starts with something simple yeah absolutely so you know when you're choreographing something do you have like a set process that you follow um before you get your final product so i've i've sat in some of your classes before and i've seen you um i've seen you do like some short courses and things and they're absolutely amazing. Like I love the way that you get the, you kind of break all the inhibitions and stuff down that the dancers tend to start with. And then you get them to create something and then you give them a stimulus and then they have to really think about the movement and what it means and stuff. Is there, is there actually, when you're working with professional dancers, do you have a, a, a proper process that you follow all the time? Uh, no, I do not. And in fact, I, I actually think that that is um, a very common trap. Yeah. Um, and, and we hear we hear people talk about uh, all the time. There, there are um, other podcasts and uh, interviews and all that stuff. And, and often people will be asked the question, you know, what is your creative process or what is the creative process? And the fact of saying the creative process or your creative process implies that there's only one. And, yeah. and if there's only one, everyone knows that, uh, that the definition of insanity, you know, is, is, is doing the same thing in the same way over and over and over again, expecting a different re result. Well, if you have only one process, one way of doing things, um, you're gonna most likely end up with a lot of the same kind of thing or, or very similar. Um, so to me, I think it's, it's kind of a trap. No, I don't have one process. I think uh, it just, I, I, sometimes I, I'll start with music. Sometimes I'll start with a structure. Sometimes I'll start with just playing around with movement. Sometimes I will just watch the dancers improvise and say, you know, what are the personalities of these dancers and how can we bring those personalities out? So, um, um, yeah, I can, I can, you know, bounce around and, and it doesn't mean that I'm, I'm, if I start with structure, I'm only going to do that once. But um, I think each, each, context is different and each set of dancers is different and each um uh you know show is going to be different and i don't i don't think it's i don't usually recommend that people have one set process all the time 
Yeah, I suppose it's um, I suppose nowadays as well, particularly, I think back in the day, a choreographer kind of specialised in one thing. So, um, for example, George Balanchine would have just done staged ballets. Um, Alvin Ailey probably just did stage performances as well. Whereas now I think choreographers tend to kind of do a whole variety of things. So you might have, I know I've got so many choreography friends, choreographer friends that do um, one, one day they could be choreographing a Broadway show. The next day they could be choreographing something for um, television channel or a movie. So I suppose, yeah, I suppose they can't really have a process for that, can they? Because I, th I think, um... I think there are more people who are um, versatile in different ways than they were before. Yeah. Like before, I think the dancers were more versatile because you had to be, um, because of the, the musical theater era, everyone was a triple threat, right? Yeah. At least, and, and a real triple threat, not a dancer who sings on the side. They yeah. all studied and trained constantly every week, every day on all three of those. With respect to being choreographer, I think there are more and more people who are, are, are diversified. Mm -hmm. But as far as their creative process, most of them, I would venture to say most of them actually only have one creative process. They'll do a different style, but they'll start everything the same way. They'll, um, they'll say, well, I always start with, you know, creating eight counts or whatever. Um, you know, it's, that's just an example. I just pulled that out of the hat. But um, but you know what I mean? It's yeah. there is it's it's difficult to change your process if you're not used to it. Yeah, absolutely. One of the things I wanted to ask you was, and this isn't just in in the dance world. This is like in every industry. I think these words are used. But so many choreographers always use those all too common buzzwords: originality and innovation. What does originality and innovation mean? Because everyone says that their choreography is original and innovative. Yeah, I think, I think if you go back to um, definitions, you know, we talk about innovation, it's, it's, it's doing something or by doing something in a different way, in a way that no one else has done before, in a nutshell. Um, and it doesn't mean that you can't use things that have been done before. Um, just like choreography, a lot like if you go into ballet, everyone's got the same steps, but it is that sequence, the way you put them together and the way that you ask people to perform them, that is what makes it unique and original. Because um, we all know the, the old adage that says everything's been done. Now, um, I don't know if that's true or not, but I think that a lot has already been done. Yeah. So when you come to originality, it's going gonna, it's gonna to be hard to take small bits of things and say, oh, this is original, like a, original, like a movement or whatever. It's really the way you use what you have because most creators in this are, are inspired or take elements from previous work. And that is just normal. That is, you know, de depending to what extent you do that and how you do that, that's, that's not stealing. That is just normal. That's, we build upon what we know from from before um but to go into innovation i think innovation um uh, you have to think about globally what ha you know if you're some innovating that's a bold statement because you're saying that i'm doing something that no one's done before um and not just i'm doing something that i haven't done before um and just to give you a a, a small 
anecdote from Cirque du Soleil that, that had some of us laughing, um, you know, in, internally. Um, or, or the cafeteria at Cirque used to, um, I remember an announcement in our newsletter, um, there was this article, article in, the, in the company newsletter that said the cafeteria is innovating. And it was all about them adding the possibility to, to pay for your meal with a credit card. And we were, we were like, well, innovation is not, you know, just because you haven't done it before doesn't make it innovation. <laughs> the whole world is using credit cards. And, and you know, and I, we appreciated the fact that we could now pay with credit cards, but that the word didn't fit. It's not innovation. So innovation is, is a bold world. And, and I know everyone's using it today, um, but I would use it um, sparingly and carefully. So you were just talking about Cirque du Soleil. What was it like working for Cirque du Soleil? Because you, you've had a, num a number of roles within the company, haven't you? And I, I'm just wondering what it was like to work for, because I think everyone knows and everyone would probably agree that Cirque du Soleil was like the ultimate company that really does innovate and is original. Especially at a job like £150 a ticket. They have to... <laughs> Well, I think I, th I think that um, just like just like any other company, I mean, you, there there are good things and bad things, things that you love and things that you know frustrate you, and Cirque du Soleil is no exception. Um, it, it was a great place to work; it really was. Um, and they have a lot of um, at core values that I agree with, and that are very um, uh, um, like at the at at its base, it was very. In, employee oriented but then in practice sometimes um those things got skipped over for what reason i'm not sure so you know it's a it's it was a big machine so this is the other thing is that um your company may have a certain set of values and a certain way of doing things that they want um or a certain way of treating employees um that is in their values but when you have five thousand employees you can't guarantee that all the directors and all the people in charge of their teams are going to follow, like seriously follow those rules. So, so just like any big company, it was, it was inconsistent, you know, and yeah. I, I was lucky to be in a department where we had a vice president who really cared about the people in the department and it was very appreciated. And, um, but I, th but I think as far as, and the same thing with innovation, you know, we had um, like people look at Cirque, Cirque du Soleil and think, wow, this is just a brilliant, innovative company, but 5,000 people, you know, not everyone in the company is brilliant and innovative. <laughs> and, and that's normal for any big company. You can't have, not everyone can be, uh, you know, the chief or yeah. the engineer. Not so so, um, so yeah, like they, they, it was a great place to work. Um, and um, just like any, any other company, there were frustrations as well. There, there, were, there were people that, you know, like the example I just gave you, um, I don't know who was at the head of that idea, but there are people who um, are not innovative in the company and there are others that are, that are. And so you just kind of have to pick the, the people who, who you want to follow the people who inspire you 
but there are always going to be people that that you that yes, you have to work with them, and and it's all pleasant and all, but they're not necessarily the ones who are driving your inspiration. Yeah, I get that. How did you, how did Set de Soleil find their choreographers for each of their shows? What was the kind of process for that? There there was yeah for there was no process. I mean, for for casting um, people on stage, there was a very there was a protocol, there was a process, there was a way of doing things, and that is because it comes mainly from the casting department, which is a, a, a bit more organized, a little more, a little more progressive with respect to um, knowledge of technology, knowledge of the future, just or or just like forward thinking than the rest of the company. So, um, sorry, I've got. <laughs> my, uh, my devices are ringing at once. Um, so now I forgot the question. <laughs> that just took me out of it. The process of um, how Cirque du Soleil found its choreographers. Oh, yeah. Shows. yeah, so the choreographers, but but for the choreographers, there was no process. Um, mm. There, it was. It's basically every new um, creative team that's put together uh, will decide who they want to be as far as other creators. So you have a creative director and then you have a show director and they get together and, and those two pretty much have the, the final say. The creative director is the one who has the final say um, on any given production. Um, but, the, but obviously that person is going to respect the show director's wishes as much as is possible. And um, those two are pretty much the ones who are gonna pick the composer or the, um, the choreographers. And so, the way they pick is, is different every time. It was completely random. Now yeah. we used to have we used to have a um, kind of like a database of creators uh, for a few years, and we had three people that ran that that were kind of talent scouts for creators. I guess you would call them. That wasn't their title, but that's basically what they did. Mm -hmm. And um, and that was quite nice because um, they would um, basically filter you know, do a quality filter and pertinence filter. And it would, I think it was uh, something that could have been used more. And at some point it got phased out because I think the, cre the, the creative teams were, especially when you, um, we started bringing in show directors from the outside of the company, as they, they often had their own people in mind already who they wanted to work with and stuff. So it's too bad. Yeah, it would, would have been wonderful to to keep that going. Oh, so the final thing I want to talk to you about is the choreography syllabus. Mm -hmm. So we've been working on creating, or you've been working on creating this syllabus for iPath. Um, can you just quickly give us like a, a run through of what what the syllabus involves? Yeah. Um... So the, the syllabus is, is basically um, an organized, um, it comes from like, decades of observation. Um, it comes from making mistakes myself. It comes from watching other people's mistakes. Uh, it comes from watching other people. Um, I guess they're, I don't know how to explain this, but their unconsciousness mm -hmm. with respect to what they're doing. And then it also takes um, my Cartesian side um, and, and kind of puts things into a little bit more of a concrete approach where you can actually um, 
because a, a lot of choreography programs are, are based on the, the emotional approach and on, you know, feeling and all this other stuff, which is important. But when you're, when you're coming into something like choreography and you've never done it before, especially if you've never done it before, and <clears throat> you, um, you just don't know how to start. You don't know what to do. Just simply, what are we doing? What are we trying to do? Um, and then how can I get there? You know, outside of the whole um, being inspired by a garden or whatever, <laughs> whatever your inspiration is, uh, just concretely, what are we doing? What are the traps to avoid? You know, what are what are things that many other choreographers have have done that just don't work? Um, and so there's a there's a lot of there's a lot of um, very concrete um, steps, not necessarily steps, but a description of the different types of object, object, objectives and paths and ways of getting there and what that tends to produce as a result. And then um, because the rules are, are made to be broken, right? So yeah. That's, so nothing's really laid out as a rule. It's laid out as an opening of um, getting people to, to be conscious of the actual structure of things, the actual what's important in certain contexts, what, it, what tends to bring out more emotional, um, how important is the, um, the movement, and also just the discussion of um, copyright, what is actually copyrightable. Uh, questions like if I have a dancer who comes in and there's an improvisation section, section does that make that dancer a co-choreographer? Um, things like that. And the answer to that is no, but um, we explain why. And, yeah. um, and also uh, it even gets into um, managing your team, you know, how, how, um, how to, um, to, not necessarily techniques because that would take too long to explain because there are, there's a lot in there, but at least um, some of the basics about team management that is really important because as choreographer, you are definitely managing a team. Um, and there, there's, it's another skill, it's a separate skill, but it goes hand in hand with the creative side. You can't ignore one without the other. You know, you, you, need, to, you need to be able to do both. Otherwise it, you could be the most brilliant person in the world, but if you can't work with people, you're doomed to fail pretty much. Yeah, absolutely. That's amazing. Well, all the information on the iPath choreography syllabus and the course that you'll be leading is going to be on our website, www.i-path.biz. And the syllabus is accredited by GetQ, Global Education Training and Qualifications. And we're going to be delivering the syllabus and the course with our partner, Choreography Online. So just finally, Rick, tell us about Choreography Online because it's pretty fantastic what you've created. Choreography online is, um, if I were to just simplify it, dumb it down to the most simple description possible, it's the Amazon of choreography. Yeah. Um, and, but choreography for the stage. So just as you would need uh, a license to use music in a show or on a video, um, this is a way for people to get uh, license to use choreography. So you can take um, any of the choreographers um, who are on there, you can, they have pieces that are already done 
And you can just go on and say, well, I want this for my competition season. And they have different kinds of licenses depending on how many shows you anticipate using it for. And you can buy a license that is gonna be good for a year. And so you're free and clear. You've got official permission. You don't have to worry about the choreographer seeing it and going, hey, wait a minute, that's my piece. And then <laughs> suing you for a million dollars. But on the other end for a choreographer, it gives them a chance to, um, cause there are a lot of choreographers out there and choreographers who, and we all know how this works in the, in the dance industry. You, um, you spend months working hard with dancers creating this piece, you do three, four shows, and then it just collects dust after that. Um, yeah. This is a way for uh, choreographers to be able to resell that piece. Um, but because we're on the internet, well, anyone all around the world could use that. So someone in Australia might never know about the works of a UK choreographer or um, a choreographer from LA and would never have the money to fly those people in, even if they did know about them, uh, pay for their, you know, the lodging and their salary and all that. Um, mm -hmm. So they would just not do it. But in this, you know, with something like this, they could say, oh, well, I like this piece we can perform it and it's um, within our budget. So it pretty much opens a, a whole new market for choreographers um, to resell their old stuff without having to put in so much effort and, and, and time. That's amazing. Well, I'm gonna be using it because the amount of times that Easter passes and I'm preparing my students for our annual summer show. I get into the studio and I do step ball change and then I'm like, okay, <laughs> I don't know what, what to next? do. <laughs> What's next? <laughs> so yeah, I'll be using it definitely for sure. Yeah, so we're, we're building the, the, the catalog slowly. It's up to the choreographers to, to put their stuff in there. I mean, and we do have an evaluation process. So it kind of weeds out the people who are not really choreographers and um, people who, um, you know, there's a minimum standard. Yeah, but uh, for, for I, I guess, for the, for the UK crowd, um, we do have a couple pieces from Ricky Jinks and we have one from Ryan Jenkins and we're expecting more in the future. Um, but we have other people too and it's slowly being built. So, um, but I would, I would, you know, for UK, I would say, go for someone you don't know, go for some, someone in Canada or in Absolutely. the United States or in Australia. Yeah. You know, try out different people because now you can't. Now it's not going to cost you, you know, the 20,000 pounds to bring them in. Yeah, absolutely. That's amazing. All right. Thank you so much, Rick. And uh, we look forward to um, working with you with the iPath choreography syllabus in the course. So, like I said before, go to www.i-path.biz for more information on the choreography syllabus. And you can also check out. Um, Choreo I can't even say the word now. I've said it so many times. Choreography online, which is literally www.choreography.online. Thank you so much, Rick. Thanks, David. And thank you so much to our listeners. Tune in next week when we'll be talking to iPath's patron, Ross Campbell, Professor of Singing at the Royal Academy of Music. Until then, stay safe and see you soon. <laughs>